I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, we will celebrate a monumental anniversary. I'm Jeff Braun. 20 years ago this Monday, four of the finest all-time sitcom characters were thrown in jail. We'll talk some Seinfeld. Jeff's also got a review of the latest Charlie's Theron joint, Tully. First, it's the news. From the couch. Good day, welcome to Canadian Corner to Great White North, and look at this. I'm Bob McKenzie, and this is my brother Doug, and uh... Okay, what's the topic? The topic is why are parking lots so small at donut places, okay? Yeah. Like... Okay, the, w- the worst part of these places, though, is like one night, eh, I went out there, they got the worst service in the world, and I sat in that place for like two and a half hours. And no one waited on me, eh? And I thought, You're supposed geez. to, you get your own donuts. You, you go up to the counter. Oh, get out, eh? SCTV is now on the air. A big week for SCTV in general, and Rick Moranis in particular. The cast of SCTV is reuniting in Toronto this weekend to tape a special that we won't be able to see until next year. It's pretty cool, a panel discussion hosted by Jimmy Kimmel as part of a reunion special that's being directed by Martin Scorsese for Netflix. Joe Flaherty, Eugene Levy, Andrea Martin, Catherine O'Hara, Martin Short, and Dave Thomas all agreed to it a while back. Rick Moranis just confirmed he'll go too. That's a pretty big deal because Moranis does not appear in public very often. His heyday was in the 80s with SCTV and some great movies like Ghostbusters. What did you say your name was? Vince Clortho, Keymaster of Gozer. According to this, his name's Lewis Tully. Lives on Central Park West. Do you want some uh, coffee, Mr. Tully? Do I? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. And as Dark Helmet in the Mel Brooks Star Wars spoof, Spaceballs. Before you die, there is something you should know about us, Lone Star. What? I am your father's brother's nephew's cousin's former roommate. <laughs> God. What's that make us? Absolutely nothing. Which is what you are about to become. <laughs> Moranis, of course, had the monster hit franchise Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and after a couple of those, he basically retired. He took some time off after his wife passed away in 1997, and then said he didn't miss acting. He's done some voice work, but hasn't done anything since 2007 until this week. Moranis appeared on the sitcom The Goldbergs, of all things. Although he didn't physically go to the set, he just did the voice of his spaceball character Dark Helmet in a dream that Adam, the nerdy teenage protagonist of the 80s set sitcom, was having. Oh, I see your Schwartz has grown. I'm in high school now. Yeah, I was a late bloomer myself. Now die! Don't call it a comeback, though, because it doesn't sound like he plans to do anything else after this SCTV reunion special. Again, that special will plop on Netflix sometime next year. So, Lone Star, now you see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb. Next up, the first teaser trailer arrives for The Predator. Director Shane Black helms this reinvention sequel of the series, first starred in by Arnold Schwarzenegger. The trailer begins with a boy opening a large box sent to him in the mail. He opens it up and it reveals what appears to be a Predator mask. He then activates some sort of doodad. And that prompts a ship just outside of Earth's atmosphere to awaken and head towards our planet. As the boy plays with the doodad like a toy, the ship crash lands, and out comes a predator. Tell me about the mission. 
Did you see anything unusual? Like an alien, you mean? He saw something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you men, someone or something tore them to pieces. This will be the sixth Predator film. The series started in 1987 with Arnold Schwarzenegger in Predator. In 1990, Danny Glover starred in Predator 2. Alien vs. Predator and Alien vs. Predator Requiem debuted in 2004 and 2007. And then in 2010, we had Predators. This planet is a game preserve. We're the game. They can hear you. Smell you. See you. They learn. They adapt. How do we kill them? However you can. That movie was more or less a flop, only earning 52 million domestic. This new one features hunters who are smarter, stronger, and deadlier than ever before because they're using other species to upgrade themselves. I think they're attempting hybridization. They're upgrading on every plant they visit. We need to know if you pose a threat. We're assassins. Isn't posing a threat kind of the point? Now only a ragtag crew of ex-soldiers and a disgruntled science teacher can prevent the end of the human race. The Predator opens September 14th. I just want you to know how sorry we are that, that things got so up with us and, and Mr. Wallace. It, 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 we, we got into this thing with the best intentions, really. I never... Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? I didn't mean to do that. Please, continue. More casting news this week for Quentin Tarantino's next movie. I still get excited about Tarantino movies, although it recently occurred to me that he's one of the elder statesmen when it comes to directors now, not the cool hip new guy we used to know. I'm sure that was apparent to everyone. It just made me feel old when I was watching clips a couple of weeks back. Anyways, his next movie is called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it's set in the 60s in Hollywood. Tarantino has said while it is not a Charles Manson movie, it will be Manson adjacent, and given that it's Tarantino, I wouldn't really expect it to cue strongly to actual history. We already knew Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt were going to be in the movie, and this week we learned a few more names, most notably... Burt Reynolds. He, of course, is most famous for repeatedly slapping a laughing Dom DeLuise in the outtakes at the end of Cannonball Run. This one, this one, this one, this one, this one help you. No, 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 I'm not gonna hit you. I'm not gonna hit you. Now, listen to me. I swear to God, I'm not gonna hit you. Watch, watch. We're off. <laughs> Burt will play Los Angeles rancher George Spawn, a real-life guy who often rented out his land to movie studios so they could shoot westerns on it. He also ended up letting the Manson family live there. Other cast members announced this week are Tarantino regulars, including Pulp Fiction's Tim Roth. I love you, pumpkin. I love you, honey bunny. Everybody be cool, this is a robbery! And the upstairs move! And I'll execute every last one of you! Reservoir Dogs, Michael Madsen. I know what kind of guy you were. I never would have agreed to work with you. <clears throat> are you going to bark all day, little doggy? Or are you going to bite? Roth is also in that one, while Madsen was also in The Hateful Aid with Kurt Russell. This here is Daisy Domergue. She's 
wanted dead or alive for murder. When that sun comes out, I'm taking this woman to hang. Is there anybody here committed to stopping me from doing that? Well, well, well. Looks like Minnie's haberdashery is about to get cozy for the next few days. Yes, it does. Actually, Tim Roth is at the end of that clip. Boy, Tarantino does like to use the same actors again and again and again. Michael Madsen was also in Kill Bill. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's the same guy. Same five guys in all the movies. Yeah. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, I think, is actually in everything except Reds of Our Dogs. Okay. Anywho, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is set to be released on August 9th next year. It's Tarantino's ninth movie, so the release date is 9-9-19. And finally... Back again, Burt Reynolds in a commanding lead with $14. Hey, hey uh, check out the podium. Look at this. Mr. Reynolds has apparently changed his name to Turd Ferguson. Yeah, that's right. Turd Ferguson. It's a funny name. Yo, I'm Luke Cage. You want to test me? You know where to find me. Ooh, got it all, man. Looks like I need to finally get around to finish watching season two of Marvel's Jessica Jones on Netflix because the first trailer has debuted for season two of Luke Cage. Everybody talking about Luke Cage like he's Jesus. I ain't no joke. I used to let the mic smoke. The bulletproof black man. For the hard rocks, he's a ghetto boogeyman of their nightmares. You can get a smack for this. Really, guys? You gotta know we tried, man. I ain't no joke, 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 joke. But one man cannot save a community. You can't keep doing what you're doing. I have no idea what you're talking about. And believe me, Luke Cage is nothing but a man. Quick refresher, Luke Cage is set in Harlem, starring Mike Coulter as the hero. He's extra strong and almost unbreakable, as we are reminded of in this trailer. Alem is mine. Damn. Hate to see such a positive brother like Luke Cage go down like that. He hurts you. You're not invulnerable, Luke. Anyone who can take you on barehanded can't be good for Harlem. I gotta find him. Luke Cage has a new nemesis, Wishmaster, who is also rather strong. Fishmaster. What makes him so scary? We hope you never have to find out. It's your Wishmaster, and I'm coming. The cast is once again stellar. Rosario Dawson is back as Claire Temple. Simone Missick returns as Misty Knight. Ron Cephas Jones, a.k.a. William from This Is Us, is also back. And as you'll hear in this next clip, Alfre Woodard returns as the devious and evil Mariah. And you'll also hear for the second time in this story the voice of the late Reg E. Cathy, who died in February. He plays Luke Cage's father. Harlem doesn't need a hero. It needs a queen. The darkness that you deal with every day, it can't consume you whole. If you let it, don't let it. I liked the first season of Luke Cage quite a bit, although it got kind of cheesy by the end of it. Also, apparently Finn Jones is going to appear as Danny Rand, a.k.a. the Iron Fist, a.k.a. the worst part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 
Season two of Luke Cage looks fun, though, and debuts June 22nd. Just to be clear, I'm not in the market for a uh, sidekick. Who says you're not my sidekick? Me? It's my show. A trailer came out this week for season five of Arrested Development. Hello? Don't you eat The Bluth family. We're shooting footage for Lindsay. Campaign footage. You're running for office? I want to be part of the problem, Michael. Is finally back together. Oh, great. Get yeah. your stuff. Let's get out of here. Well, that didn't last long. Maybe. What? Maybe we can figure out where it all went wrong. I've made a huge mistake. What is this? Go right to that! Huh? Lucille! I'm a monster! It seems a lot has changed over the years. Honestly, it had slipped my mind that they were even making this, and it'll be back before we know it. It comes out on Netflix May 29th. Fifteen years ago, we got three seasons of the Blue Family wreaking havoc in Southern California over on Fox. The show was tragically five years ahead of its time, and now there are a lot of comedies trying to be a lot like it. Those first three years, though, were perfection. Then five years ago, we got a fourth season on Netflix. It had its moments, but wasn't nearly as good. Now they're back, and while I am excited, I am tempering my expectations because of that last season. But if you've never seen it, you have to. An all-time great comedy. Well, at least the first three seasons are. The Bluths are finally getting the award they think they deserve. Family of, of the, the month. Year. Are you for which mother family of the mother year? Who give us that? We're giving it to ourselves. Right. Still doesn't seem like we'd get the votes. Because nothing holds you down like family. Oh, hi, I'm Michael, and I came here to save everyone. Buster. Oh, look who's back. I thought we were supposed to go Arrested Development, Season 5. Goodbye forever. See you tonight. See you tonight. See you tonight. Only on Netflix. That is the news from the couch. Still to come, we will celebrate the end of one of the greatest shows of all time. But up next, one of the biggest movies of the last 365 days comes home to Blu-ray. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes having a look at what is coming to home video this week. And what is the big one, Jeff? The Black Panther. Black Panther. Must feel good. Sitting here comfortable. What do you want? Your secrets. Your weapons. I'ma burn it all. This ends today. Who need a hero? Black Panther. You need a hero. Ready PG-13. So Black Panther's been available on digital HD now for a little while. Yeah. It's still playing in theaters. <laughs> and not the not like second run theaters, first the run main theaters. Run theaters. Wow. So you could do a double bill of watching the Black Panther and then the Avengers. Yeah. You could do five hours of uh superhero movies at the theater. That sounds pretty cool. And actually not a bad not a bad way to pass a day. But if you don't want to go to the theater, you want to watch it at home, you can now watch it on digital HD. You can pick it up on Blu-ray or DVD. You can also get it on demand as of Tuesday. Black Panther by the way, its domestic gross is at 694 million dollars. Its worldwide is at 1.339 billion dollars. Really good. Avengers Infinity War looks like it's going to easily surpass its worldwide total right away. It's at 479 million after what, like two, 
It's been just, this is its third weekend. Yeah. And uh, already worldwide, $1.25 billion. Holy smokes. So, yeah, Avengers uh, will surpass Black Panther, yeah. but still very impressive the fact that Black Panther did so well. One of the high, highest reviewed, best reviewed, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't buy a lot of these hard copies lately. I bought Spider-Man, but that's the last one in the last couple of years. I think I'll buy the Black Panther. Though. Yeah, I might have to go out and pick this one up. Hey, very quickly, Predator, you were nodding <laughs> when I mentioned Predator. What was the deal there? Uh, when I was a kid, my grandmother lived with us. My dad outfitted the basement of her home with its own little kitchen and stuff, so it was like a second apartment down there. Grandma lived there. And when you're a little kid, you think, oh, grandma's just a sweet old lady that gives me candy. When I'm like 17 years old, I come home at 2 in the morning one night after carousing with my friends, see the glow of the TV in the basement, I go down, grandma, what are you watching? She's watching Predator. <laughs> I'm like, what? She's like, oh, this is one of my favorites. And she looks at the screen and she's like, he's going to get him yet, don't worry. <laughs> She's like, I've seen it many times. I was like, oh my God. So that blew my mind. Apparently she's a horror buff and I never knew it. Awesome. And then uh, just something like that and grandma never really looks the same ever ever since then. Well, she's got good taste. <laughs> Predator is an excellent action thriller. There's a reason why they keep going back to the well because they keep trying to recapture the magic from that first movie. Up next, we mark 20 years, 20 years since the end of this television show. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and it is finale season. We're going to talk finales, and we're going to start with one of the biggest of all time. So, uh, anyone from Salt Block D? I am. I'll talk slower. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love Salt Block D. My friend George is in Salt Block D. <laughs> what, what are you in for, sir? Murder one. Murder one. Ooh, watch out, everybody. Better be nice to you. I'm only kidding, sir. Lighten up. How about you? What are you in for? Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto. Don't steal any of my jokes. You suck. I'm going to cut you. Hey, I don't come down to where you work and knock the license plate out of your hand. All right, fine. Well, that's it. Let's go. Come on. All right. Hey, you've been great. See you in the cafeteria. And just like that, on May 14th, 1998, Seinfeld, the greatest TV show of all time, was over forever. That is 20 years ago this Monday. That makes me feel old because I can remember it vividly. I was nervous about it all day. The countdown had begun weeks prior. The last few episodes, while funny, were also bittersweet. Frankly, I was getting super bummed that my favorite show was going off the air. I was 22 years old. The only other time a show ended that I really cared about had been Cheers five years earlier. I'm sure other shows had come and gone, but nothing had the impact like Seinfeld. It had been my favorite show from the beginning. Still was at the finale and still is 20 years later. I feel like we all took took it for granted at the time. I mean, honestly, how often is the most critically acclaimed show also the most popular show? That almost never happens. And it was unique. It was its own thing. There were no other shows like it, which also rarely translates into good ratings. So Seinfeld was something special. The finale, one of those big ones, preceded by an insane amount of hype to the point that there is simply no way the show could live up to it. Seinfeld's problem, I think, is... It tried to live up to the hype. They did this crazy trial story that in no way resembled a regular Seinfeld episode. It was one of a handful of episodes not even set in New York City, which made no sense for that show. And the lawyers get most of the lines. There are huge sections where the core four of Jerry, Elaine, George, and Kramer are just sitting at the defense table in the courtroom, not even saying anything, in a show that was built on the four of them pouring over the minutia of their everyday lives. That just didn't make a lot of sense. Add to the fact it was mostly a 
clip show and you've got a disappointed audience on your hands. I mean, to be fair, you could sort of get away with a clip show 20 years ago. The clips were not so readily available as they are today. But even still, the finale had been preceded by an hour-long clip show, which was the true highlight of that night. Not a lot of new laughs at MBIT we just listened to where Jerry's doing stand-up in the prison was the funniest part. But I did like the premise philosophically of the four characters being judged by their peers after spending nine seasons being selfish and generally horrible citizens. I had one prediction going into the finale that George would meet the real-life Art Vandalay, his alias that he, whenever he had to make up a person, he went by the name Art Vandalay. And then wouldn't you know it, that happened to be the name of the judge, so I actually cheered when that happened. Uh, I've long defended the Seinfeld finale, but I'd be lying if I said I thought it was great. I pop in my Seinfeld DVDs on a pretty regular basis. I almost never watch the finale. But over 76 million people did at the time. It was the fourth biggest finale audience ever behind MASH, Cheers, and The Fugitive. Jason Alexander, who played George, says there was no way it could have lived up to the hype. Jerry has said the problem was they went too big when they were, in fact, a very small show. And Larry David, of course, defends it vehemently and angrily. He loves the finale and thinks we're all stupid for not <laughs> saying it's one of the best shows ever. So there, that's the Seinfeld finale. It's been 20 years! I can't believe that. I remember... Getting together with my friend Steve. Yeah. We went to KFC, got some fried chicken, <laughs> went to his place and watched it. And the disappointment we both shared at the end. Actually, I don't think the disappointment wasn't the immediate reaction. I think the immediate reaction was kind of, I don't know if it was shock. Yeah, I just I remember like, being. What, what did we just watch? Yeah. It was just this bewilderment. Yeah. I think is the word that I'm looking for because it was just so strange and in. In uh, repeated viewings over the years. Actually, I think I've only ever watched it a second time. Really? Because when that episode happens to come on, I go, oh, it's the finale. Yeah. Nah. And I remember it was like halfway over and I looked at the clock and I was like, oh, so this is what it is. It's a court. I thought they were like still gearing up to get to the meat of the show. And I was like, oh, this is what it's actually going to be? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was disappointing and it was just this sort of endless parade of past... Yeah. Characters like the soup Nazi. Yeah, you're trying to the, the lady fine, with the is, bread. You know <laughs> the old lady, the marble rye lady. Yeah, yeah, the marble rye lady. This is Choate. That's right. So yeah, but well, how's this though? Given that the finale was so disappointing, how much did you enjoy the pseudo? reunion that happened on Curb Your Enthusiasm. As a Seinfeld show, not much. I did like seeing them all to get together. I thought it was I thought it was great for Curb. It didn't it didn't change anything for Seinfeld for me. No, even no. the it was the even the little five minute skit or whatever they did? No, not really. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Uh so and, uh, and uh just with all the shows coming back, I uh, I don't I would be shocked if Seinfeld came back and I pray to God it doesn't. Yeah. There's just there's no way they could ever top what they did. Well, and they're ta- they were talking about it, right? You met you had it in the news in the yeah, couch a couple yeah, of weeks ago. Yeah, but I I I think when push comes to shove, there's no way Jerry does it. Well, he doesn't need the money. No, I and mean, he likes doing stand up. Yeah, yeah. He, he's got his coffee with cars or whatever. The, what is it called? Comedians and cars getting coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got stuff to do. He doesn't have to do it because he's bored or looking to make headlines or be famous again. He's, that stuff doesn't really matter to him and he's got enough of that still, he's got that cash, he still has it, you know? Now, let's jump from a comedy from 20 years ago yep. to a comedy from the present day that is actually going to enjoy, <sighs> or I guess enjoy is the wrong word, yeah. a surprise series finale. Yeah, they canceled Brooklyn Nine-Nine this week. You see, Jake, I'm always going to be one step ahead of you. You've lost the ability to surprise me. 
you're just plain boring. Again, weird take on our very loving relationship. And it's midnight, so I guess I'm an amazing human slash genius. Yeah. Although, you might want to read the inscription on that there belt. Why? Oh no, what does it say? Amy Santiago, will you marry me? Surprise. That was a lovely moment this past year on Andy Samberg's Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the best network sitcom of recent years. So, of course, Fox canceled it this week. It never had great ratings, and last week it only had 1.7 million viewers, so I guess from that standpoint it makes sense. But if I live to be 100, I'll never understand why it wasn't more popular. It was smart and funny, but not so out there that... It was, like, inaccessible to people. I thought everyone could enjoy a Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Andre Brower's a dry and deadpan Captain Holt will go down as one of the best sitcom characters of all time, and everyone in the ensemble cast was terrific. No weak links, so that's a, it's a bummer that that one's going away. Well, and this season in particular, they've really started to explore... Some some rather serious topics, right? Yeah. They 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 tackled racism and police brutality. Did the active uh, shooter one a couple weeks ago? Yeah, that, I've heard about that. I'm, I'm a, quite a few episodes behind, but they've really gotten into some serious things. I think part of the problem, honestly, and this, like, I like Andy Samberg, yeah, but he is annoying. Oh yeah, for, I, I think guess... for people who don't appreciate <laughs> his, he he comes off as annoying. He's so in your face. He's got kind of a, an annoying voice at times. There are some annoying characters in the show, but I watched it from the beginning, so I understand where yeah. they fit into the ecology of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They also kept bumping it around on the schedule, too, which is, that almost never helps a show looking for ratings. They also canceled Last Man on Earth, which isn't really surprising. It never had great ratings either, and it had even more annoying characters on it, and it just, it was really out there, but it was one of my favorites. And it had a cliffhanger season finale, which is now the series finale. I sort of hope that they can scrounge together enough money and time for those people to put together like some sort of a proper two hour just boom 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 knock out some sort of story and give it a put it a little button at the end of it now there is pos- of course there's now always the possibility that a streaming service will pick up Brooklyn true. Nine-Nine like, much like the mini project got picked up by Hulu for That's true. how many seasons did that go on Hulu yeah, I think at another least two three. or three yeah yeah so hope is not lost for Brooklyn Nine-Nine it really that really is a surprise cancellation they also canceled the Mick by the way so they wiped out three of their comedies but I think they picked up. Uh, they're going to be showing football another More night. Football. Yeah. yeah. Well, so yeah, that's it's hard to argue against NFL. Yeah. And I guess well, they've got American Idol back now as well, right? Oh, uh, that's on ABC. Oh, that changed. Okay, that changed numbers. Yeah. Never mind. Uh, whole bunch of season finales, by the way, uh, coming up this week. Some of the highlights include uh, Timeless this Sunday, May thirteenth. Timeless. That's the show that was canceled and then. Brought back to life by NBC, so that two-hour season finale is on Global on Sunday, as well as Chicago Med on Global, uh, Silicon Valley and Barry finales on HBO on Sunday. Monday, Lucifer the Resident and Superior Donuts on Tuesday, May 15th, two-hour season finale on Global of NCIS New Orleans. As well for Fox, they're they're losing a fourth comedy because it's the New Girl one-hour series finale. That was a planned. They they said we're gonna go. We're gonna do a, a an abbreviated. What is it? Seventh season. Yeah, and then yeah, we're done. Eight episodes they did. So yeah, that's yeah. So at least that one we knew about, and at least that one they could plan for. But yeah, so uh, my TV viewing is vastly different next season already with 
three of my four favorite comedy or three of my favorite comedies gone. Yeah. Uh, what else is is wrapping up here Black-ish. for the week? Yeah, Blackish Rise. That's a new one on NBC on Wednesday. It's the Blacklist, Riverdale, The Goldbergs, Alex Inc., Modern Family, American Housewife, Designated Survivor, and Seal Team. What's ending on Thursday? Gotham, Grey's Anatomy, Station 19, Life in Pieces, so what? Supernatural. Yeah! Supernatural, the Winchesters! How many years has that been on, though? I think this is season 14. So it could, it's uh, fighting against Grey's Anatomy for longest running show, probably. Hang on, is it Close season? Close to it, anyways. Uh, season thir- uh, 13, pardon me. So season 14 is coming. Wow. Yeah. And still good. Quality yeah. hasn't gone down. Right I love on. it. Hey, there you go. That's all that matters. Yeah. And then uh, next Friday, Blind Spot, Once Upon a Time, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Hawaii Five-O, MasterChef Junior, and that Once Upon a Time is actually a series finale. Yeah. And then on uh, May 19th, Saturday Night Live. All right. Up next, Jeff Braun's going to tell you about Charlize Theron's latest film, Tully. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. Going to review a movie in a moment, but just going back to the Brooklyn Nine-Nine thing for a second. I read an interview with one of the show creators who said that the season finale was planned as a season finale, but he's also quite sure that it'll work well as a series finale and we'll all enjoy it and feel a nice sense of conclusion when it is over. It's it's going to be Jake and Amy's wedding episode kind of thing. But and it's that's May 20th, so there's two more episodes of Brooklyn Nine-Nine left. Okay. Period. I always yeah. thought that The Office could have ended at the Jim and Pam. Had they just ended the series at the Jim and Pam wedding? No one would have complained about that. I, I would have liked that. They could have ended it when Michael Scott flew away. Yep. No one would have had a problem with that. Yep. No, they went on just a little bit too long. Yep. Anyways. All right. I saw a great movie this week. Charlize Theron plays a mom who's on the edge until she meets Tully. Hello. I'm Tully. I'm here to take care of you. I'm not used to people doing things for me. I hold a baby all day, and then nighttime rolls around and I'm supposed to just switch gears, like, hello, all sexy now. You're empty. Yeah. No, you're empty on this side. That was a breast-pumping joke. The comedy drama is from director Jason Reitman and writer Diablo Cody. They wrote and directed Juno in 2007. Tully is played by Mackenzie Davis from the TV show Halt and Catch Fire. She was also in Blade Runner 2049 last year. Mark Duplass and Ron Livingston are both in this movie, and I had to watch the trailer twice, actually, before realizing they weren't the same guy. Livingston, as it turns out, is the husband. Duplass is the brother of Charlize. And it is that brother who suggests that a worn-out Charlize Theron and hire what is called a night nanny so she can get some sleep at night. The night nanny would come over and, you know, if the baby cries, rock the baby to sleep and not have to wake up the mom. At first, Charlize does not want to, but they have two other kids. One is a special needs child who is great but requires some extra energy from mom and dad. And after a particularly trying day, Charlize calls Tully and hires her. Tully shows up at night, looks after the baby while Charlize gets some much needed sleep. Tully's getting great reviews, 87% on Rotten Tomatoes. The frustrating thing is I can't really say anything more about the movie because to talk about it is to spoil it. It's one of those kind of movies and there's enough stuff going on that you wouldn't want to be spoiled at all before seeing it. I will say the screenplay is very clever. Diablo Cody won an Oscar for Juno and I would not be surprised if she's nominated again here, although we are an awful long way away from award season yet. Although I would expect Charlize will almost certainly get an Oscar nod for Best Actress. She's doing a lot of great stuff and the moms in the audience were definitely picking up what she was putting down. The portrayal of motherhood spot on. 
There are a lot of these little scenes showcasing all the little things that new moms have to deal with. Uh, my favorite was a stranger in a coffee shop lecturing Charlize about her decaffeinated coffee. You know, there's trace amounts of caffeine in that. Uh, I thought some of the moms in the audience were actually going to rush the screen. They just screamed at this lady. It's hilarious. Uh, and as a dude with no kids whose idea of, you know, coming together with an audience at a movie mostly involves cheering at Star Wars movies with other nerds, watching moms watch Tully was a good eye-opener. There's, there's more to more than one way to band an audience together than to just show the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, hey, this this is uh, this is unique. I, yeah. I, I'm glad you got to experience this. Yeah. Uh, again, I won't get into specifics, but the movie's a nice mix of drama and comedy. The director, Reitman, always has a great handle on mixing those two. He also made the, the movie Up in the Air, which for my money is one of George Clooney's best movies. It's solidly made. It's not flashy. I don't think you need to see it on the big screen for the sake of anything visual. But, I mean, a night out is always fun, and giving what else is in theater right now, if you're not into superhero movies, you certainly won't regret buying a ticket to go see Tully. I'll give it four couch cushions out of five. I can't really explain why unless you've seen it, but there you go. Take my word for it. It's got some strong language in adult situations, but it's a great movie. On the subject of series finales, we only got about a minute and a half left here. Yeah. I was thinking about the, the finale for Lost. Oh, my. And uh, you, know, you want to fight? Is that what's going on? No, I don't want. <laughs> Usually that happens when the lost finale comes in. I don't want to fight, but I do want to play this. Well, Gimpy McCrutch over here covers up that the artist formerly known as Henry Gale tried to strangle your little amiga, and suddenly it's on me when she goes vigilante. What can I do you for a deep dish? Saw it tattoo. What's your problem, Jumbo Trump? Like you, baby napper? Great plan, Moonbeam. You're in trouble now, cool hand. Skeletor seems to like it. Yeah, yeah, Snuffy. Right behind you, jackass. Totally stole one of your montages, but uh, for me, what I remember about the Lost Finale actually isn't the episode at all. Oh? It's about the debacle that unfolded as I tried to watch it with my friend Burkus, because it was on the Sunday, right? Yep. Went to his house to watch it, and I guess it started at like, what, 7 o'clock, or was it 8 o'clock? Do you remember? I don't remember. Doesn't matter. Two-hour finale. We get over halfway in, maybe more. And then the recording froze. Ugh. So we, what choice do we have but to wait for it to repeat on the West Coast feed? So that meant instead of leaving his house at 9 Three p.m., hours later. I had to, we had to stay and start watching it again at 10 and watch what we had already seen. And then by the time it ended, <laughs> I was just so tired to really digest what I had just yeah. seen. It's like, I whenever don't care it's just end already. Yeah, whenever I think of the Lost Finale, I don't think of the episode. I think of what I went through to watch it. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. Download the podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. iTunes and Google Play. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. <laughs> <laughs>